Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Mad Axman podcast. The whole team are of course back again. We're dialing in from our Covid secure hotel rooms where we're paying £1,700 a week to um, to stay as we return from our exile on the Isle of Elba. This week it's all the normal usual stuff, painting chat, gaming chat, quite discursive um, nonsense really. Andy's quiz makes another reappearance and we have another punt at I'm sorry I think you're an arse as well so fans of that or anyone who remembers it from last week will be delighted there's also some pretty eclectic stuff this week but all I can say is sit back listen out for it because the podcast is just about to begin this means war Well, look, we're all here um, yet again for, I think, 66, possibly, something like that. There's there's another one sneaking out this week um, in between us recording this and, and it hitting the airwaves that's number 65. So so this will be 66. 65 was last week's. My God, so this might be 67, possibly. Yeah. Wow, we're creeping on even more. But look, you know, I wow. think that's, Do we that's qualify the sign for a of the... Um, I'm, I'm looking at a screen that is basically like a window into um, seven lockdown hotels. And um, I'm not quite sure which red list countries that you've all flown in from, but um, but you all do look like you're securely se- securely sequestered in um, in wherever you are at the moment. We've got the full team of seven back for another week of um, random and inane chat in the world of painting and wargaming. So without further ado, I will dive in and um, and pick the most the most COVID-free room with no windows um, into which people are locked. So let's start with them. Um, Peter's iPad, whatever that is, and your um, your still slightly protuberant um, winged hussar hairstyle. What tell us? Well, Peter, you know, I, I what's, of, what's been going on in the blow. what's been going on in the Peter painting pile? Um, where have you picked a peck of pickled peppers this week? Uh, pickled pepper winged hussar. So slowly clean, cleaning them up. Um, I've got a couple of days off next week, so uh, just sort of setting them up so I can actually. Um, I was going to try and spray them, but then the weather didn't help me. The only day that I could spray it, you banged it down. So um, just sort of cleaning them up, ready to have a go and find out interesting pictures of them all charging in a great big line causing havoc. And I was like, going, that sounds like fun. Um, now, so when you say, when you say cleaning up, so when you um, say cleaning them up, does that mean swearing a lot while trying to glue the wings on the back of the buggers? Haven't yet because uh, i need a sort of like chill like zone enter a zen like state to be able to actually stick them together and not me together which is uh, i don't know how i'm going to do it alcohol may be involved but it usually helps right so it's a glass of red wine or something like that to chill you out and then yes. do, you, do you just like I, I, I mean, physically hold them together or do you use some blue tack malarkey or is that complicated um, a detachment of levers and pulleys and things like that Levers and pulleys. I mean, I don't know what you're doing with your time off, but, but you sound like very involved with it. <laughs> I don't oh, yes. think I really oh, want yes. to know anymore. Um, no, no, we'll, but, we'll come um, to that later. Um, I, I usually just hold it. I, I don't know um, what's going to be the best thing. I, I try and hold it first off because why not? Um, and if that doesn't work, then I start trying to get funny with it. But most of the time, you just hold it. It sticks there okay. Use some nice Gorilla Glue, which has down, gone down quite well in the media over the last two weeks. Um, yeah, that, uh, that being able to stick um, anything together. Yeah, that, that lass who gorilla glued her hair has been all over social media this week, hasn't it? Yeah, Quite so, you know, really shows it works. I mean, we were ahead of the game of the previous podcast on glue. So, um, yeah, I, I'll use the gel one, though, uh, because it's a bit um, so stickier. It sounds more and, like um, a hair product. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gorilla glue. <laughs> 
maybe, gel. maybe glue gel. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So, um, in fact, in fact oh, thinking Peter, your your hairstyle hasn't has been remarkably unchanged over the last, you know, dozen or so podcasts. Are we are we sure you're not an early forerunner of the Gorilla Glue Gel hairstyle no, it's thing? Just, is that it's just that like halfway down my back now? If I turn oh, right, around, okay. it's like it's like a mane. Right. It's the armored hat. So, so has it just been a week of prep then, really? Um, no, no painting. Yeah, it's paint in metal? between. No, unfortunately, no painting. It's just um, joys of doing 101 other things. So, it's uh, in a case of um, getting time in to clean up a few models and get it prepped. Um, I was working out other things I want to paint to get around to when I take a bit more time off, um, especially with the um, rumored V4 of ADLG coming out. So, it's like. Um, Maybe that's something for the next podcast. Is that what army do you think we can get in each before V4 if we're going to do that? If it's going to get changed, so so a week of no painting does that this no. mean this is the first week in history in which you've not gone online and ordered some Austrians? Um, I see. Last one was Poles. I moved a whole right. country, okay. All right, um, Eastern Europeans, you know, I, then you've not clicked and collected on any uh, East Europeans, uh, for some time, yeah. Um, wow. I ordered some French a while back as well, but um, that doesn't count. yeah, I, yeah, no, it doesn't, doesn't usually because they, they walked through Austria on the way to see other places, didn't they? Quite often, they arrived frequently. Um, have they arrived um, yet? No, um, what the Winters ours have, uh, the French are, I got a while back. Um, okay. I got some at um, back when we could socially undistance in salute. Um, we could, um, oh, that is quite some time. Yeah, just a bit. But um, no, I was. Uh, that's what I mean. I'm contemplating ordering something else. But with the whole European thing, I'm uh, with the Brexit thing messing up trade and being able to ship things over. It's kind of limiting what I can order and where at the moment. So yeah. I'm contemplating other things. Okay. All right. So a, a fairly sedate, but um, actually doing preparation rather than bashing through that and then just rushing on to do some other stuff. Um, yeah. That properly. Um, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, look, let's go around the houses. Um, this means war. This means war. Adam, I think just before we all came on screen, um, we had a, a very interesting conversation about um, how you might remove belly lint from um, one of your orifices with, with blue tank. How's, how's that been going and what have you been painting? Um, I, I, I just don't know how to reply to that first comment, to be perfectly honest. So I think I'm going to put it on the ground and step away slowly. As for the painting, um, do you know, last week I was all like, oh, bloody Dacians, just, just all rubbish. Yeah, yeah you, you were starting to get sick of them, weren't you? Yeah. That, that was um, the, the darkest bit before the dawn. And because I think it was like the third batch and it was just seemed unending. And at the time, I was thinking, oh, shall I just give them a break for a while? But I thought, no, I thought, no, I'll carry on pushing through. And the third batch is basically done now. And I'm a good way into the fourth and last batch. batch. And now I'm all sort of like quite positive about, about it because I can see the end coming. I can see a complete army. So it'll still be a few weeks, no doubt. But um, hmm. yeah, I'm in, a, I'm in a happier place about them because it's just getting to the point where it's all coming so how, how did you actually batch them up then? Did you um, do just random collection of warriors or did you save the bone until last? Or do it, or uh, right, so four batches of 30. Well, the la last batch is a special treat. I left the last batch. There's only 28. Mm. 
And did you feel the burn? Feel the benefit of extra? Yeah, that much absolutely. quicker finish. But no, it's like I did each batch. I did a couple of bases of warriors, a couple of bases of falchmen, a couple of maybe a base of um, uh, bows. Although the last batch again, I've left sort of all the skirmishes, which for some reason, because I can put them onto bases first just makes it seem easier so the last batch i've sort of like left is the easier one as well so i've been doing bits and bits and bits and bits and it's kind of nearly there now which is all like that, good that and psychology of actually that psychology of thinking when i pick this figure up it's going to be by the time i put it down it's going to be a long way towards being finished which you can get with a, a base of light infantry but a base of you know six people is just much more six people that are not even based is much harder to do mm-hmm. i think that that psychologically really helps if you're you're starting something or even ending something, I think. So. Well, and one thing that I've also decided, because the next ADLD army I'm going to do, which I'm not in a... I was going to sort of like do some other painting first, just give myself a break. I was thinking, shall I do late Romans, because I've got some, or shall I do um, sort of Ordnance French? And I've decided to go for the Ordnance French, because quite a lot of that painting will be spray gunmetal. It's kind of done. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think I'll go for the sort of like, um, the the easier one. Um, although I might be looking around for twenty. Any recommendations for twenty five mil transfers for sort of like late medieval stuff? For oh, you need some fancy flags with it. I, I think um, for for the twenty eight mil transfers, I, th- I think you do have more options than LBMS. It, it yeah. definitely is worth looking for other ones. Um, I'm just trying to think what some of the those ones are. Some of the flag companies do them as water slide, but um, but again, I think I might have mentioned this before that I've moved and drifted towards trying to create my own um, a bit, which sounds a bit bonkers, but um, it just means you get something different. Because I think LBMS has become so ubiquitous mm-hmm. that it's like, I don't know, 15 years ago when we all used to play 15 mil DBM and you'd sit down and go, I recognize those Essex figures in your army because I have those Essex figures in my army and they're all in the same pose. And Steve here has got the Essex figures and, and we're all using literally the same army using the same figures. Mm-hmm. And and there's a bit to which LBMS have become so ubiquitous. It's like, actually, if I get something that's a little bit shitter, but it's mine, um, that's, yeah. that's a different. I think in some, some, some armies, it doesn't really matter. Like Roman shields are supposed to be sort of like, yeah. non-individual so that's okay yeah. but the more barbarian type armies i think you're right it's all a bit i mean it's the amount of um playing saga the yeah. amount of oh, like, Vikings and saxons yeah. that had exactly the same yeah. shield pattern yeah it's but, it's amazing when you see um going to some of the cathedrals and that going around europe usually there's uh some of the older ones they've had the shields of uh the different uh, heraldries that helped sponsor the cathedral and this and the other. So I remember going into a couple, and there's absolute hundreds upon hundreds of little uh, different designs and everything else. So I, I'm with Tim on this. If you can, you know, if you've got the time to spend it in a printer, you can really go to town to really differentiate with the heraldry designs. Um, some really nice, weird, and wonderful ones out there. If you want to just stop, step away from the usual printout ones to individualize it. Yeah, and if and if you're doing shields, you can actually, you know, as my Hungarians have done all those um, all that time ago, those fifteen mil Hungarians or the um, the wallpaper on those Assyrian chariots and the the siege wagons, in for shields, you can actually just print it out on paper, stick it on and cut it out. And I, I mm-hmm. guess if you're using the Perry figures with separate shields, 
you could even stick the paper to the shields and trim them before you stick them on the figure. So you, you can kind of tidy up the edges. But but I think it's worth half an hour or so noodling around Pinterest um, and Pinterest boards and doing searches on Pinterest to see what you can come up with that's just not the standard stuff. You know, I, I think I've ended up doing somewhere I've literally used pictures of actual historical shields as the shield. And and that's kind of pretty cool because it's different. Um, Dave, you're a you're a Pinterest nerdler, aren't you? You've got. Um... I am indeed, but they weren't very useful for Spanish uh, medieval armies. I was like desperately seeking. There's there's loads of stuff on the Wall of the Roses and things like that, but um, or uh, any any of the families of the Norman Conquest who still run our country, you know. Just occurs to me there may be a source. I've not checked it out, but when we went to Dover Castle last year, one of the rooms we looked around had some nice shields and of course you couldn't take photos which is a bit of a shame but it occurs to me if you go to some of the um some of the stately homes and castles and places maybe on on you online steal some. Got you can steal some couldn't you yeah if you're quick there's probably not a lot of people around there at or the no, yeah. what yeah. i'd really like to do is for someone to tell me where i can buy some water transfer slides for sort of like <laughs> horse armor and tabards so i can just buy and stick on right. without too much of a hassle. So if none of you guys can, if anybody after listening to this wants to put some recommendations in Facebook, oh, and flags as well. If you um, go, to, go to Damien at Donington, mm-hmm. he's got um, flags for all of the French ordnance um, commands. But if you ask him nicely and email him, he'll turn them into 25 millimeter flags. Okay. Really? Oh, no, that's really, worth really recommend them because I've used them for Spanish. Mm-hmm. So they do look nice, copy, those. You get like a history of each, um, who each person is. So it's got all the uh, Burgundians and all that sort of thing. I might, I might, that, that's a good thing. Although, unlike you, Dave, where you did your, and this person was the Count of Monte Cristo and this person was, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not, it's, it's these, um, they're probably going to see services. Um, French ordnance, Italians, War of the Roses, free yeah, companies. So I'm. I just want it to look convincingly late medieval. So if someone that didn't know what they were looking at went, would go, "Oh, that's brilliant." Rather than if someone wants to go, I think you'll find that that's a late 15th century French heraldry, and you're using it in a War of the Roses army. So that's completely. I'll just off. Um, so I, I think you're worried. looking at so battle flag have a transfer section which bizarrely has got its own website which is wargametransfers.com um, yeah. so they have some water slide transfers for what, what do you think even, they sell yeah exactly it's a bit of a giveaway um, and then I think also maverick models do well clearly they do flags but I'm, I'm trying to think if they do water slide transfers um, as well I've I don't, I don't think so. Maybe not, no. Um, but I, there is a couple of other ones um, who do it um, that you can that you can have a look for. But we'll have a, we'll have a dig. Um, we'll, we'll see what we can do. But, yeah, good idea. If anybody else out there listening to this has got any ideas, um, you can also go on to, to Facebook and post them on the Mad Axman Facebook page. And, um, and some of us will see it and, um, and be desperately grateful, possibly even give you a name check next week which is um which is a bonus so so you've been um so you've been managing then adam just to finish the dacians you're thinking about um because i think you did admit that you'd found those peri plastics i'm assuming it's going to be a, a peri based 
um, army that you're going to end up moving towards next time, or or maybe it's not. Yeah, well, it's, if I do, that it will be because if you're going to do late high medieval, um, not only are the pony plastics probably the cheapest figures you can get. Yeah, they're also possibly the best fig. They they're just very good. Um, I'm not sure why I would sort of like go elsewhere. So I might look elsewhere for maybe commanders or individual figures. But even then, when I say elsewhere, I probably mean I'll look at Perry uh, metallic uh, metals. So yeah. um, because they do the knights, they do the foot chaps, they do the ordnance bows, or I'll use um, uh, War of the Roses. They do um, they do the pikeys um, for the Swiss. They kind of um, and they just work together as a coherent whole. Yeah, well, I did. Um, there was one one of the posts I, on one of the Facebook groups I'm in this week. Um, I think Paul um, Paul from up in York was saying that whilst he loves, you know, people do love the Perry figures, they are a teeny bit wooden um, relative to metal sculpts, and and there was a bit of a chat about it, and um, it was kind of actually thinking. I suppose a metal sculpt is sculpted and designed as a single piece, so it can be dynamic. Whereas the Perrys are astonishingly, um, it, well, they're designed to be mix and match, which which puts some sort of limits on how dynamic the torsos and the legs and all the rest of it can be. Um, but they're still a phenomenal achievement. And then there's an extra factor that they, they're they more normally proportioned and our brains as war gamers are just geared towards looking at chubbier dynamic people. So we probably get a little bit of a disconnect. But, um, but yeah, it, it was just it was just remembering that thing that, they're the fact that they're built the way they are which is astonishing and they're beautiful does sometimes mean um you can get more more dynamic stuff in a single cast in a in a metal pose which is an interesting way of looking at it. but but heck for the money um they're fantastic aren't they mm-hmm. yeah. i know it's dynamics good but that's and i discovered this with the romans um using the vitrix uh, attacking legionaries um just fitting the buggers on the base um you can't have to because my uh, victory legionaries are very dynamic and they're supposed to be eight to a base and i was struggling to get six on so um six is cheaper yeah <laughs> it makes it cheaper as well but it takes away a little bit from that sort of like mass effect you know what i mean it's like, i would have preferred if well no actually they look good because they're all sort of like throwing and stabbing and blah 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 but if i was going to do like when i do the um the audience swiss um that i'm going to have at least 12 pikeys on each base because i want it to look like just a sort of like solid massive yeah um pike so if they're sort of like too dynamic all of a sudden it's like oh and he's not going to fit behind that and oh blimey and oh and now that base has got to go next to another base do what what are you going to use for your pikes because uh, i always make the mistake i mean they stand out nice i use the actual um metal spikes uh proper um you know ones that have been metal mm-hmm. to uh, the leaf end, but I always end up stabbing myself badly when I'm actually using them. I always forget to file them down. As well, well. Do you I, I don't do like you... having the plastic floppy things or anything else. I like it that, as you say, it's supposed to look vicious, hedgehoggy type thing, but how to do it without stabbing myself to death as I'm using it, I haven't worked out yet. Does anyone, does the um, Perry pikeys come with plastic pikes? Yes, the, yes I've, I've got some... Do. I got some warlord ones. I, I made the Condottieri army, and using mainly Perry figures, you can get about eight 
footnights onto a base, but you need to put them in carefully and model how you're going to do it first yeah. to make sure they fit because of the, you know, the, the somebody got yeah. arms and legs and bits of weapon floating everywhere if you're not mm-hmm. careful. Um, but I think I got warlord um, pikes, and some of them were lanchnecks, and some were kind of armoured um, pike guys from the 15th century. Um, and you can get 12 of those on a base, but you might need to cut the flanges of the bases a bit. They'll still stand up properly, but it's just that the width of the base on the kind of the oval bottom mm-hmm. bit is too wide to fit them. But you can trim the edges off, and it'll still stand up, and you can get your 12 guys in that way. Okay, because in answer to your sort of like pike question, it's like I've heard lots of good things about by a broom, so I might give broom, that a- brooms. I, I've I've got a broom because um, mm-hmm. I did buy one, and they're not quite long enough for twenty eight mil pikes. Oh no, is, is the long and the short of it? I'll I'll go I'll go grab it, but they're good for fifteen and the rest of it. But they're, the bits that I've got are not quite long enough for twenty eight mil pikes. So okay, I so if I buy a broom, do you use the? The Perry ones are absolutely fine, but they? they will bend a bit, but but sometimes they will snap and then you glue them back together with FX glue. But how much rough handling are they getting? Or you replace them with metal pikes, which is a bit of faff cutting them out of the hands. And you've got to remember to to trim the edges, trim the tops off or flatten them a bit. Otherwise, um, you'll empower yourself and might die. Well, no, it's because when I because I've got Swiss um, 15 mil Merleton, which are quite nice figures and their pikes I did. Um, brass rod i did brass rod and i sort of like hit the end cut them down hit the end with an hammer and um filed them off so it's in a, in a point and although that can be dangerous because i'll impale myself um it's also got a um please don't lean on my figures sort of thing going on um it, that's, it helps protect ward when uh warning sort of sign going yeah. up isn't it, it? It helps yeah. protect the figures, you know what I mean? Because it's like no one's going to accidentally put too much pressure on them. Um, so I might actually go, because I, I did brass rod for me uh, 15s, and I might just go with a um, slightly larger brass rod for the um, 28s. But if the, I'm, I'm, I have a look at the Perry Pikes as well, because one thing I'm worried about is the plastic pikes um, do seem a little bit too snappable. Yeah, I, well, I've got yeah, the... Yeah, but the um, thing is, sorry, vertical, so you're less likely to... Yeah have accidents yeah. bumping into other units and things yeah i've got the broom here actually i think there's there's a couple of questions so you can't quite well i can't quite snap the um or cut the bristles off right flat at the base but i can get up to about 65 mil long which is okay. not quite pike no, you need about 90 to 100 mil for you need 90 to 100 so you definitely can't get 90 to 100 out of a bro- out of this broom head that i've got yeah. and the bristles are you look at them and you go, that's a 15 mil thick pike. It's not quite robust enough okay. for another for yeah, another one. But I, so you can buy the metal ones, which are I see quite expensive. In, in scale, they should be about one, one to 1.2, 1.3 mil. They need to be, 28 mil pike need to be shorter than they should be for scale. Um, yeah. Because otherwise, if you actually do them the correct time, what sort of airbrush would you use aperture to paint those then? Um, is there an airbrush aperture for painting the thick? No, no. Um, we'll go down that rabbit hole. Broom manufacturers to produce 15th centuries um, Swiss brooms. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe I've just been to the wrong broom shop. Yeah, and exactly. there's an online broom shop that where you can select the length of bristle or something like that. Yeah. But 
that we or need I to might find. take me tape measures down to Wix or something. <laughs> yeah, we, I think these brooms are more your kind of local, you know, corner shoppy, um, art rights, everything piled in a corner. That's where you want to be looking at them. Because your wicks tend to be sort of disposable plasticky type ones that they're designed so that you come back. But Well, just around the corner from me, I've got sort of like, it seemed, I think it's a hardware shop that I think exactly. it's been the same bloke running it since 1954 because That's it's exactly just crammed full of stuff be. in no order whatsoever. So you, yeah. it's like a two Ronnie sketch. You've got to go in yeah. and you ask him, and he goes, hang on a minute, and he twos us off, yeah. and he comes back. So, but that might be a bit. Mind, mind you, I might be able to say to him, "Hang on, mate, what, what's the uh, length of bristles yeah. on your broom then?" And, and he'll love it. That will be like Christmas to yeah. someone who works in one of those shops. Go in there. It'll be. I got. I got eight centimeter. I got six centimeter. And I got ten yeah. centimeter. I will have that. So one. He, he, you're trying to say he'll end up being like the war gamer type, but of DIY shops. The war yeah. game of DIY. Oh, I had a guy in last week who was asking for a Swiss broom. And they said, Do you want 15 millimeter or 25 millimeter? Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure they make 25 millimeter brooms for the Swiss. Anyway. Yeah. You could do a not the nine o'clock news sketch, couldn't you? You want a broom, you say, what length bristles do you want? Yeah, George, oh. we've got another one out here. He wants Swiss yeah. ones. Yeah, he's got Swiss. Oh, he oh the French one was, wasn't good enough for you. Oh, the Hungarian. And is it one of those? Um, is it one of those shops, Adam? That in the current kind of lockdown, they basically closed the shop and put um, and built a barrier so that you stand at the door and then they run and exactly go, that. Because that's you know, what used to happen anyhow. Because yeah. what used to happen is you'd open the door and you would go in about 45 centimetres and there yeah. would be a counter there. So now it's just sort of like you don't get to go in the 45 centimetres. It just He opens a door, he's got a barrier, and you say to him and he toddles off and sort of like comes back again. So, But that's what used to happen with those shops because even when you could mooch around them, you'd mooch around it for 10 minutes. Then even being a bloke who does wargaming stuff, you'd eventually crack and you'd have to go up to council and say, Look, I'm I'm trying to find some of these. Where are they? Because you're kind of the frustration building up again. Mm. I should be able to find this. I'm a you know a capable geezer, um, but but I can't. But I don't. Want to Sometimes it's like every time I walk past, I look at it and think, I just want to go and ask him for candles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but then you go up to the counter and you ask for something, and he goes, Oh yeah, it's over here, and they go and find it straight away, and you feel woefully inadequate as a human being because they just know that stuff so okay so so where do we get to on that i think you probably need to buy some metal ones mate or see if you're fancy plastics or brass rods you, possibly you want a bit so of one brass three choices unless well, you, I, so i'll have a look at the perry ones when they come but it's like yeah because just snapping once and it's snapped forever mind you they can didn't, be didn't you cough up the fact that you already owned some about two three weeks ago and you find some in the back of a cupboard no, I've got um, some knights and some sort of like not medieval light horse. I haven't asked. Oh, well, did I buy the um the European mercenaries box? That's the one with the Swiss pipeman in. Yeah, I might. It's, in fact, I in it, fact, I tell you what. If if I have done, that'll be a pleasant surprise. It'll be like a free box of toy soldiers. Or I'll go and check later. See, look, it's it's just this is basically a money making thing, isn't it? It's, we, it's we're Christmas all, all over again. This podcast, it is indeed. This means war. So look, um, with, with Christmas in mind, um, 
Dave, you look like you're, you know, calling to us from Santa's Grotto there with your, um, with your. That that looks like that doesn't even look like your normal Hefesteiner. That looks like something. Uh, um, you're trying to say it looks like an elf. The Hefenstefaner seems to um, suffered under Brexit as well. Is that um, Waitrose are not doing it online, and uh, my local super, my local Waitrose is sold out, and so is the one in Ryslip. My God! So you've been scouring Northwest London for Hefenstefensteiner. Well, I've, I've actually been reduced to Erdingerbrow. Oh dear! That sounds serious. Yeah, and, that, and that's brewed in um, in Slough, isn't it? I think. That's yeah, it's, exactly. It's a, it's a byproduct of the petrol chemical out. <laughs> yeah, petrol chemical industry for sure. Good. So, what what's your um, what's your painting week been, Dave? Uh, still doing the Battle of the Boeing. Uh, six six packs done. I'm just literally painting the bases onto the first three of the six I've done. And that to the army done, I suppose. That's there's still, still a lot to do. I've still got um, four six packs to do, two lots of cavalry, some uh, Scotsmen. That's going to be a laugh. I've never painted Scotsmen, especially six 17th century Scotsmen. How did you end up painting the um, the frilly, frilly shoulder things after our long debate last week? Yes, yes, they got painted as frilly. Um, so they're, they're, I've done them, I can't remember actually, no, no, so I've done three Huguenot regiments, two are sort of like normal with, um, they're in grey basically, one's sort of blue, one sort of thing, and then the ones with the orange are really good because what's, what they've done, they've got frilly shoulders for the musketeers, and they've got helmets for the pikemen, and they've all got orange sashes, so they actually look the full Monty pro crotty nonsense. All they wow. need is umbrellas and bowler hats. Yeah, indeed, <laughs> umbrellas, bowler hats. And then you could get some baggage built up with like a big mural on the side of a house or something. Yeah, exactly. um, really go the whole hog. Yeah. Go the whole absolute hog. So, so it's just been, you know, doing your um, your work for other people then. This has been your commission project. Has anything yeah, of your own slipped in this week? Or I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I've not, I'm only, you know, once I'm past halfway, it's going to, with any painting any army, when you sort of like, go, oh no, another six pack of really Renaissance infantry, I've painted eight, I've still got two more to go. I'm far from that point. I'm, I'm enjoying it. They, they're good, they're good little figures as well. They take ink quite well, and um, the bandoliers come out really well and all that sort of thing. Actually, yeah, bandoliers are always good with a spot of ink, aren't they? They really yeah. ping if you do it. That really works. So they're good. Um, that's about it, really. Just banging away at that. Okay. Are you doing um sort of targeted ink along the um the strapping and the bandoliers, or are you doing just like an overall ink wash? You know, what's um, no, the... it's just sort of like I mean, a very I mean, the, well, yeah, it's a very light um ink. But I think the, the bandoliers are so pronounced that any a little bit of ink goes a long way with them. It also it also brings out the collars, cuffs, and the they've got indentations for the um, jackets, the buttonholes, the jackets and things. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, no, because I, I think it was a few. I'm trying to remember what it was a few years ago. Someone on fact it might have been Bob Amy on Facebook um, suggested to me that diluting the war painter um, the army painter inks which i just never thought of because they do that range of you know light medium strong or whatever it is and, and he said look d d they get a, an ink dilution 
they're not even called inks are they they're called shaders or something you get a diluting one and you can dilute them down even further for doing on a really pale color and it still works and and i now do that actually quite a lot it's um particularly for doing on white because even the lightest one gives everything a bit of a bit too much of a mucky brown tinge sometimes well i i, I use the coat darms inks the big bottles okay they're, they're, i mean I, i've used them for ages and i quite like them they get a bit i mean the, i've got one which is brown but it's gone completely gunky it's almost okay. two, two lots of things so i've given up on that one that feeling mm. but the blacking i i most often I, I walk it down i i wet the brush quite heavily and then put it into the ink so it's quite wet and that, that way it dilutes it quite a, down quite a bit but what i tend to do is paint the base color ink them and then i'll do the jacket again so these um battle of the Boyne dutch and danish have got light gray jackets so i'll i'll, ink, I'll paint the jacket what i've done is painted the, the jacket a sort of mid gray then i've inked it to bring out the bandolier then i've gone over the top and repainted the jacket in light gray so it that it really pings it basically the second coat on the jacket makes them really stand out okay yeah no that's um, that's quite a neat way of doing it isn't it because then you get because it's not a pure play ink um technique and it's not a pure play you know foundry three layer technique either it's doing a little bit of hybrid but it, yeah, exactly. it does actually work and it, it, it for some of those details shading on the um jackets and things like that when you've got the two coats on it it's really i, I it, that's my neat technique is paint a base coat put some ink on it to bring out the detail and then paint the base coat over it again in a slightly different shade and it's, it makes it pink. I think it's really good. Okay. Well, while we're on the subject of, um, of impressive technical painting technique, um, I'll, I'll skip over um, everybody else and go straight to Tamsin. Um, did, did stuff arrive in your, um, your still your house? Did you end up um, starting painting anything or did you, were you just finishing the yeah. six mil? um people there well, right, still on the six still on the six mil because i kept keep distracting myself right okay uh, so it's been slow progress and haven't got much haven't got a lot left to do on on the union cavalry yep, they've got, mm. i've got so it's got flat i flesh hair sort of Black leather and metal. I'm, so, I'm sorry, hair. Do you mean hair on the people or hair on the horses? Hair on the people. Hair on the people. That's 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 above and beyond. Um, what are you going to do? Yeah, like well, proper American Civil War beards on them? Um, some of them will. Some of them will be getting beards, but most it will just be sort of a dab of dab of dark grey or very dark grey, black grey or or brown on the back of the on the back of a head. Okay. I think my six men are lucky to have heads sometimes. But, uh, and, but yeah, and going back to your original question, stuff has arrived today. Oh, excellent. Excellent. World War World War II stuff. Yep. So there's a whole load of US Parrot, US Airborne, I from, well, Crusader and Artisan, so it's North Star. And what, also, what, what scale are those, Tamsin? Pan? What scale are those? 28. Right. So uh, given also, they're US Airborne, you're, the big question is, are you going to be painting the 82nd Division um, shoulder pad tags or whatever it is, or are you going to be painting the um, 101st? Are we going to see neither. Little Eagles? Neither. 
Neither. It was five oh third parachute integration, which wasn't which wasn't attached to a division. Oh, so do they not get or do they get their own very complicated, difficult shoulder patch or not until after I think it was Corregidor. Corregidor. Okay. So basically you're gonna duck the most complicated um US para. So they didn't actually have a sort of insignia bit until then. No. Okay, well, at least that makes us all feel slightly better when you um, suddenly turn up with, you know, 80 perfectly rendered 28 mil eagles heads or something like that. Yeah, but you're going to have them all sort of suitably weathered or anything else because they, they're basically wearing rags by the end of that, weren't they? By, I, by then, yeah. I, they, they were wearing a complete mishmash because they didn't get the same resupply that 101st and, and 8th. I hear they got surprised with a load of red berets. Yeah. Well, they should have been. They bloody well should have been, really, shouldn't they? That's what I think. That's it. Okay. So so when do you think um, you'll be actually cracking open those little plastic blisters then for the, the 28s? I'll probably, I'll probably start, I start prepping the figures this week. Because a couple of weeks ago, you said you do one project and then start the other. But but you're saying that prepping doesn't count quite. Prepping doesn't count. Prepping's not the same doesn't as count. Counting. It's not no, the same I as starting, I, is it? I can do this at a different table. Oh, right. Yes, because now you've got... Um, your oh, house prepping doesn't count. Oh, is that is that a shot across me? Because uh, I didn't paint something this week. I, I, I think you're just like gilding me. Yep, that could have been it. Okay. All right, so we, we've got that to look forward to then. Um, yeah. All right, well, let's... Um, Let's carry around the houses. Um, Andy, um, what about you? You your washing machine seems to to not be involved, and um, I no. think um, you've you've had a bit of a prick this week or something um, in in our yeah. ongoing effort to become seven fat lardies or whatever it is. Um, yeah, fit in a, a joke of that type. Talk us through your painting though, um, if you can. Yes, well, painting this week has been the uh, skeleton ten mil army. I've done pretty well most of the cavalry now, and I'm on the infantry. I've got about, I've done five units of infantry. I've got about seven or eight to do, and those are spearmen. And after that, I've got about nine or ten bowmen. So I think Adam said kind of chime with me, and I'm slightly worried that I'll get to a point and I think, oh, I'm stuck in the middle of this. There's so much more to do, and can I really be bothered? Um, so I'm hoping I don't get those, um, get get feeling like that. Um, but I reckon this is going. This whole job's going to take me. I'm reckoning two to three months. What the skeletons? Um, yeah. My lord. Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, there's um, I've got to paint about thirty units. So are you? Yeah, um, but you'll you mainly be bones? using. Sorry, you'll mainly be using a spray can to paint them, won't you? Um, I'm I'm not allowed using spray because um, Ruby's got asthma and haven't, we haven't got a garden, so. It, can't really use spray. Okay. But do you not? Is it you want to get an airbrush? Dry brush? Is it not done by a dry brush technique? Then do you not? Do you paint all the bones individually? Uh, no, not quite. No, I mean I am kind of uh, under undercoating the. Um, my, my son undercoated some of this stuff in black, and black's too strong a color for the bone uh, color. So I've got to do about two coats of those, which he's undercoated. Um, but the rest of them I've undercoated in grey, and they're take they're taking one coat of uh, bone colour, so that that's going a bit easier. And then I just go and do the weapons and the and the flags and things like and the shields and stuff. So it's fairly sort of quick and dirty process for painting them. But uh, there's just so many of them that it's taking time. 
And do the um, are they riding skeletons riding proper horses or skeletons riding skeleton horses? Uh, skeleton horses. This is this is one if you can see it. I don't know if that okay. visible at all. Yeah. All right. So I've, I've done yeah. about six units of those and about four of them as light cavalry, and that's the skeleton cavalry. They've got some uh, chariots as well and um, a couple of funky things like bone giants and sphinxes and skeleton artillery uh, as well as the infantry. So. I reckon there's, let's say, about two months of, of work in, in doing all of that. And then I move on to something else, I think. So this is um, this is going to be the next you know, six to eight weeks we're going to be coming to you. And um, it's going to be like when Peter was painting Austrians or Simon was painting Swedes. And it would be like, yeah, this week I've mostly been doing bone um, as my colour of choice. <laughs> and um, I'll be painting a bit more bone um, and then doing some highlights of bone, really. And I've, got, like, to, and I've got to go and buy another... A bottle of bone paint now i'm hoping to get oh. most of the bone stuff done if i if i do do them in batches i can then alternate it a bit by saying well i've done the bone on the figures now i'll do the shields and um you know use different colors for that to to uh change you know change the scenery slightly you actually use um skeleton bone paint is that literally the, the uh, color you using use? um coat d'arms bone color Right. Okay. So, so I wonder if that's um, you know, for for like real people's bones, possibly, and it's not quite as good a match to skeleton bone as skeleton. Well, they've bone probably been out. From... They've probably been out the sun a bit, so you know. Um, yeah. You Unless know. they've been in lockdown, maybe they've not been able to get out as much. They could be be looking a little bit paler um, and, and losing some colour. Possibly. Actually, Simon, if you tell us what you've been up to with, um, I'm guessing, Ottomans this week. Yeah, there may have been a, a bit of Ottoman um, work over the weekend. So I've now finished all the Janissaries, all the Capricois, so the nobility, all the generals, and all the heavy cavalry, the, the syphilis, or however you want to pronounce that one. Sipahis. Um, I hope it's Sipahis, yeah. yeah those I really guys. do hope it's Sipahis. I've gone for a, quite a, pr a pretty design, so there's all reds, uh, blues, purples, and things like that. And now, now all based, um, varnished up, so I've got them all ready to go. So all that finished now is the medium cavalry, and that'll be what army number eight for COVID. <laughs> wow, eight. That's um. That's all, is that all armies from from scratch, or is that um? All armies from scratch. Wow. So what, what were the other seven, um, uh, remind me, um, or can you remember? Um, the Swedes for Seven Years' War. We've got the Dwarves for um, Fantasy. We've got the Skaven for um, Dragon Rampant. We've got, uh, obviously, the Janissaries. Then there was, um, oh, yeah, there's, there's been definitely... Uh, some Austrians, the, Austrians or Swedes for Napoleonic, was there? Yes, yeah, so the Austrians and Swedes. There's also quite a few Chinese for the 25 mil. So I did the, yeah. all the chariots and the Indians and Peter will be happy. Lots of elephants. That was it. Yep. Elephants. Yep. Ancient British, weren't they? Yep. And oh yeah, I also did all the ancient British. So that was, you know, 400 points of ancient British. Yeah. From stripping them all the way down. Um, I also added all the Chinese chariots and, um, it's been a long 12 months. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long 12 months. Very good for makers of Disney filing cabinets, I imagine. That's been yes, um, definitely um, kept some of our favourite vendors um, employed by 
IQRF and it's more miniatures. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. And then, um, and then we managed to do a um, an accidental handoff as well, didn't we? In um, a, a, a way that I'm hoping wasn't filmed by any CCTV around Central London on um, at the weekend, wasn't it? Don't worry, no one's listening to this. No, to worry about. Yeah, it was, it's quite dubious. You know, I happen to be uh, exercising down near High Park. You happen to drive by, and I happen to have a bag of miniatures that you you'd you'd I'd ordered for you. So. There's this guy leaning over with a brown envelope to a guy in another in a car, and then drives drives off very quickly. Well, the good news is, MI5's got a file on both of you now. Well, there we yeah, go. I, I, I suspect I suspect it had before. Um, to be honest, Peter. But no, that's GCHQ. <laughs> that was a different thing. They were listening. Oh, to that's a different file. Yeah. Oh dear, yes. But the days when I used to visit there. Um, but but no, it was kind of weird because we it was down by um one of the tube stations just off Hyde Park, and. The, there wasn't kind of parking on the road so so i drove down the road realized it was all you know, double yellow lines so literally kind of pulled up and um and simon gave me a brown envelope through the window of my car and then i drove off um and it was like the small brown envelope as well it was it was obviously containing something you know yeah, of weight or, or whatever note wide or high imagine a stack about you yeah. know 10 15 000 pounds worth you know well, and then I actually passed you back um, an envelope back of um, of those kind of homemade. Oh, they, they probably well. just thought you were working for uh, one of the newspapers then. <laughs> that could have been it. Could have been it. Yeah, like, so that was some isn't, of. Isn't I think it's platform for for Victoria Station. That was the favourite place, wasn't it? For exchanging brown envelopes. Yeah, was it? It, was it could be, but yeah. I, I don't think um, my mini it's would have track. fitted onto the concourse there, and. Um, and I, I'm not going anywhere near public transport for at least another few months. But um, but yeah, it was good. So that was that got some of the museum um, sort of Greek, the new Greek light cavalry, medium cavalry. Mm. And this, there's a mix of them that I'm going to use to change my handful of Thracians into a proper Thracian army. So I've got some Zeist and Thracian infantry that were painted years ago that I'm, I want to add some cavalry to it. And the new museum Greek light cavalry. Um, there's some bareheaded ones and there's some bare-chested ones and there's some archery ones and and I thought they would actually look quite good um, and and they're cheaper at the moment or were cheap at the moment and they're really nice figures they've there's a real nice lot of variety they're much better defined than some of the um the hoplites I got a while ago as well so they're on the the to be sprayed pile as we speak and then um and then a, a range of I think it was some 80 by 80 bases to to do some tercio things so i've actually just based one up um at the moment it's it's a little bit short on the shooters on the um on the corners a couple of yep. them but, but i probably need to rescue some more from a different a different set of basic techniques so that's that's getting me um a couple of of adlgr tercios ready to go with um with some of the other keels that i um did the other week which right. should be fun um so so the thracians are on the to-do pile but Again, this has been sort of half prep, half finishing week. So I, oh yeah, I also got some Pendragon stuff as well that came with the bases, wasn't it? Some more 10 mil. So so I've, since then at the weekend, which is only a few days, I've painted up and based some 17 pounders in 10 mil. Um, I think there's a couple which are potentially for the airborne. So, um, so I've managed to um, find enough crew with berets to paint them red um and then some of the others i've because they weren't quite enough there were some piat guys as well piat teams that have gone on to bases of my british airborne 
um, to give them some anti-tank capability in 10 mil. But, but I just decided, um, again, um, as we, we veer towards being seven fat lardies, that the answer to my, um, my problem of last week was just to paint their helmets red um, and just deal with it because oh. at that sort of scale, you can't really tell because, you know, it's, it's a beret or a helmet. Did Paris have 17 really pounds? Is that, seems like quite a bit of heavy kit to, you know, bring in a glider or... or... Yeah, they brought, well, a, they brought some at Arnhem. Yeah. yeah. They brought oh, okay. some to Arnhem and it really caught the Germans out. It really surprised them as much as it surprised you by the sounds of it. Yeah. I thought they had six pounders, but I think, I mean, probably, I think there were two batteries. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Well, you can get drag up them to three. On, on, on jeeps and things. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, actually, actually, the 17 pounders, I think, if that was what they had the Morris Quads characters for. Wow. Right. Possible. Well, look, so I've, I've got a couple of 17 pounders because for my british airborne force for um bkc because it doesn't get any armor it's quite difficult to build up to sort of a thousand or so a decent number of points but then you stick in a couple of 17 pounders and you're okay with it and i've got some six pounders to go so and then another one for the actual british themselves so and then i also finished rebasing my 10 mil american paras who do have little eagles heads on their shoulders because I painted them um, a long time ago when I had much better eyesight and more patience, really. Um, and so the eagles' heads are great, but they are um, old arrowhead figures, and and their heads do tend to fall off. So I think there's a couple of the the guys are um, a bit um, rolling the headless Thompson gunner in um, in a tribute to Warren Zeven as they um, as they march around the battlefield. So I've got British paras, American paras, U.S. infantry. British infantry and Germans all done um, for 10 mil World War II and then all of the British armour and vehicles done as well. So it's just finishing off the the large number of very complicated German camo um, vehicles to do that. So that's been, that's been kind of a, a bit of an epic. And then in this sort of messy, messy desk world, I've also been rebasing loads of 15 mil hoplites so what i've done I, after i um what did i, I bio stripped a load of hoplites and repainted the whole thing and i came to the conclusion after doing that that repainting the whole lot is just a waste of time because you just see the bloody shields so so i've just taken all my old slightly rough painted ones off their bases and I'm going to paint out the shields and use shield transfers on all the shields, repaint their spears, um, do some kind of black lining on the tips of the spears and, and redo a few of the crests to tidy them up. So the bit that you see will be better and then rebase them on, on 40 by 30s on sort of seven or eight to a block to do that. So I've got a big, well, I've got a little box of, um, of 15 mil hoplites that are all ready to be re redone and re reshielded but nothing else um to to do there to to work through um and then i also whilst i was at it because i was rebasing them so i was kind of standing them in a box of water to make all the the bases go soft so so i ended up i think after the um the podcast that we did about the hundred years war and then the other one that we just recorded about the crusades i suddenly thought i did i should really repaint some of my old merleton 
communal Italian era figures because they were just not quite good enough. I think I must have painted them with the wrong style or in a rush or something. The, the Merleton figures, I think, Dave, you, you, have you done a few of these? They're, they're a bit yeah. difficult because they're quite delicate. They're quite properly proportioned I to do. I found them really, I mean, at first thought, I mean, I, I painted some again like you a long time ago, Merleton and Spearman, and I quite liked them from the pictures. And I, I thought they were, they seem like really good figures, but I found them quite difficult to paint. I don't know why. They just seem to, yeah. I think they're I so think, thin. They're so I think it's because. I would, I would call them grey style is what my, my description of them. Yeah. A, a few years ago, um, when I was doing 15 mil a lot, my two favourite ranges were Corvus Belli and Merleton. Um, and they were, I think they were both excellent figures, but they were very, very different. Corvus Belli was like chubby and cartoonish, and they're just easier to paint because things like they take inks better and there's deeper recesses and stuff. Whereas the Merleton were properly proportioned figures that looked like humans, um, and the recesses weren't that deep because, let's face it, they shouldn't be. So they were just harder to paint. Lovely figures, but they weren't designed to, for all those painting techniques that everybody uses, I think. Yeah, weren't they picked up by Curacao figures? No, not Merleton. You're, you're thinking of, um, of, oh, what was the other ones? That very small range of 30 years war stuff. Um, but Merleton is still out of Italy, um, and they right. do quite an, a lot of interesting ranges. But, but, yeah, they are properly proportioned, which at 50 mil is pretty slender. It means they've got some quite weak ankles as well on some of the, the figures. Um, they're almost that the best way to paint them would be to just ink the bare metal um and then take good photography of them that would really show them off properly but but actually painting them with colors and paints and stuff is a bit more of a challenge and and you know i i, I think i won an army in a competition sometime a communal italian army in the days of dbm and i thought you know these are marvelous figures i've got to do them and i, I painted them in a kind of black undercoat and a bit bit of sort of um painted for effect on top of them and it just didn't work. So I want to have another go at them with some bolder, stronger colours and see how they um, they maybe work a little bit better. So I've yeah. got those sat in the bio strip at the moment, seeing how they bubble away. So the other one... The, the one I was thinking of was Testudo, that was it. Testudo, that was it, yeah. So with those Millington ones, they were one of the armies that I... That was my army that I brought over with me when I moved to England 11 years ago. And they were uh, painted um, horribly white white. So, and they do strip down quite well, but especially like some of the, the most of my medieval ones, the Swiss have the big puffy um, shoulder pads and all that. You might need a little bit of a knife to get into the cracks because the bio strip's good, but some of those cracks can take a little bit of effort. But um, with a, a more liquidy white paint and all that, they come up a whole lot nicer. So you look at them now and go, actually, they're not half bad. Yeah, my Swiss are still fine. I think I did the Swiss with a black undercoat and bolder colours. But I think the problem with my communal Italians, maybe at some stage I kind of, I hit them with an ink wash because I was just in a phase of thinking troops should be a bit dirtier and a bit more battle-worn. And then in retrospect, you know, 10 years later, you look at them and go, I've ruined them. Um, they just look a mess. And so I, I just want to kind of bio-strip them down and, and probably print off some shields and, and do all that other stuff and, and put some proper spears on as well because... I think I used the original spears, which are spaghetti metal, which is just not good. So, so my broom is going to get a bit of a battering 
Lardies again, we're here, it's all happening. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I'll be trying to do, um, trying to get those back and back on table at some point in amongst. And in fact, I did, Peter, manage to get some spraying done this afternoon. I snuck out and did some black undercoat on um, a handful of Sassanid horses that I got from um, um, Giuseppe in, in Italy as part of that order that was um, Dave's. Dave's feudal Spanish. Um, so I needed a couple more basil. No, I didn't need. I would like and wanted and bought, because sod it, um, a few more bases of Sassanids to bulk, bulk out my Sassanid army. Well, you got loads of Sassanids. I remember you running over me with a load. I've only got nine bases of cavalry, actually. And and that's sort of... Uh, and lot, how many can you deploy? Eight. Right. Minor okay. detail. Minor detail. Hey, you can, lead. you can have 16 of the things all together. You have loads of them in a 300 point game, which is what we'll all be playing in the future. Um, yeah, and then and that's the I, way to go inflation, exactly. And then I also had some Swiss which came in from Italy in the same order. How um, was the painting? I thought it was a bit cold for it, not that I was, uh, you know, while I was afternoon. on my conference call this looking out. I, I actually, um, I actually went out on my push bike this afternoon, um, because I had to drop some stuff off, um, in a post box or in a parcels post box because I sold on eBay. Um, like two or three bits, I sold a few of the 10 mil tanks that I'd not painted and not repainted because they were slightly out of scale with the rest. I sold two units of um, Blue Moon Swiss Pikemen that I just, you know, they were lovely, but they were just too out of scale with the the Merliton and QRF and Donington Swiss Pike that I got. And I just thought, bite the bullet, someone else can benefit from them. Um, and I sold a single Malifaux figure as well on eBay um, over the last couple of days. So I had to do a quick, and the weather was actually really nice today. Um, it was it was like proper normal day. But so I, I went out and dropped those in a post box and, and cycled around a bit. But then the other um, miraculous thing this week from a shopping point of view was um, paint lids. I ordered some paint lids. I think we whinged about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and someone had contacted me and fact, Martin from Vexilia contacted me on Twitter um, to say you can get replacement paint lids for your coat d'arms paint from um, Black Hat and they're about 30p each and and I kind of went online and it's true and so I ordered 15 of them thinking that'll be more than I need and um, I've got a set of replacement paint lids because the coat d'arms paint lids the, the paints last for a long time but the lids just crack and, and and just sort of break and stuff like that. So, so I ordered fifteen, and I I spent. You know, you know what that means, Tim. Um, yeah, you obviously long. not got a lot enough horses to paint. If the lids are cracking and you're not using up all the paint, obviously you should be buying more horses, not more lids. I don't think it's possible for me to buy more horses. Um, oh, it is. It is. <laughs> but you know, when you know, I've got like, try an Austrian army. <laughs> yeah, possibly. But um, so I got some new paint lids and replaced the old ones, which, which is a little bit tricky. You've got to kind of cut that um, white plastic ring off, which you've got to cut away from yourself rather than towards yourself. And I've got proof on my thumb that I can show you why that's a really bad idea to try and cut towards yourself. Um, now I've learned to cut away from myself, get that off. And then you just push the other ones in and suddenly you've got brand new paint tins. And so you even have to peel off that little, you know, bit that's around the thing to open them again it's like having brand new pants. So, so how much is a coat d'arms actual 
getting a three, new. They're about three quid, aren't they? A new paints are about two eighty, three quid. So you've gone through half the paint already. You've gone and put another lid on it. You've spent time yeah. cutting your thumb up to it. Yeah. yeah, I think I'll just buy another pop. <laughs> it's thirty five p as opposed to two pound eighty or something like that, and it'll it'll you know the paint will last for long. But in terms of other stuff lasting, the other thing that has been a bit odd this week is when I was putting these 17 pounders together, these Pendragon ones, they're like three part models um, with my Gorilla Glue gel, um, super glue brush and nozzle, uh, which is marvellous. Um, the glue didn't stick. And I was just like, what's going on here? It Because, you know, like some sort of aerodite glue takes forever to set, but Gorilla Glue and super glue is just done except sometimes when it doesn't was um, it just not clean or something it had some dust on it or something well, no it was fresh out, maybe you know it was fresh out of um the packet so it had not been greased up or anything yeah so. it might, might might have some of the stuff from the mold or something but do metal figures have much of a release agent on them they do possibly yeah but, they do but it was just but sometimes they these... do quite, quite normally it's not too bad but sometimes they can have a, a little bit of something on especially if they've been just stuck in a bag for a while um, because either it's some like the fine metal uh, like filings on it or some of the release agent that can mess it up but normally it's not too bad but if you're not actually touching it you're not cleaning it off no, but it's just completely odd that I had these three little 17 pounders sat next to my you know painting desk for for like a day and a half and I keep picking up and and the barrel would move away from the wheels and you're like that but it's super glue and i've left it for a day ah, did, did you order the comedy the clown 17 pounders they, they come with a clown car that automatically falls apart when yeah you exactly it. And then you, can, that, you know you one? can move the turret around and aim them at other people but yeah, so especially but for fighting and built up areas yeah but eventually eventually they stuck so they're all kind of good and um and i've got three 17 pounders now so so that's fine i'm, I'm just trying to work out what to to start painting next now that I've done some black stuff undercoating and I've got some 10 mil French Imperial guard that might, might jump to the top of the queue. And then I've got a lot of shield transfers to stick on the hoplites, which is Adam's kind of world of, of quick win um, potentially. So that might win um, as well and get something based and, and painted up there. But, but no, that's been my, um, that's been my week in, in rebasing shopping, painting and getting odd stuff um, through the post. And um, I guess whilst we're on the subject of, of odd stuff, it's probably time for um, a slightly earlier start than last week for our, our brand new feature. Um, I'm sorry, I think you're an arse. Coming up next on Madaxman Radio, it's I'm sorry, I think you're an arse, the antidote to informed discussion shows. At the piano this week is Scott Joplin, and your chairman is Sir Humphrey Humphreyson. Hello and welcome everybody to this week's edition of I'm Sorry, I Think You're an Arse. You join us this week from the Citadel Paints Opera House in Dean's Bottom in Kent, known as the Garden of England for good reason. Visitors to the town can climb to the top of a nearby TV broadcasting mast, where they're greeted with a view covering seven different counties. On a clear day, it is sometimes even possible to catch sight of Portsmouth off in the distance, despite the many prominent warning signs advising against this. I think we will hand over to our uh, 
lead protagonist of the week, um, Mr. Andy Finkel. And um, and apparently there's been something that's been bugging you for quite some time. Tell us all about it, Andy. Yes, well, it's it's basically when you see black powder artillery in movies and TV shows, it's portrayed to me in a very silly way. Now, I appreciate it's not the focus of the whole story that the designer, the director is trying to show, but the, there are three things that bug me about the way it's typically portrayed. One is you've got guns wheel to wheel, whereas you would expect them to have about 14 meters between the guns if they're fully deployed. Um, if you have been to somewhere like uh, any American Civil War battlefields, you'll see the sheer amount of space that it takes to deploy a battery. So that's the first thing. The second one is that you never see them recoiling. Uh, you, you see clouds of smoke, bang, and the gun, and you never see the gun hurtling backwards and people back into position, which was one of the major parts of operating an artillery battery. And the third thing, which really bugs me, is that artillery on movies seems to fire exploding cannonballs. You see, a gu the, the target guys are a bunch of infantry or whatever they are, and the cannonball lands in the middle, there's an explosion and people fall over, um, which is not how cannonballs typically worked. And it's just the whole thing together makes me feel, what a shame, what a waste. You put all this kit together and you're not showing it in anything like a realistic way. And is it, um, is, which which one of those three is the biggest bugbear for you? Is it the exploding balls? Is it the... Yeah, um, yeah the exploding the, cannonballs. Exploding well, cannonballs. the problem with having exploding cannonballs, uh, apart from being quite painful, is um, they can't really show the actual effects that you'd have with a cannon. Uh, in films with, uh, you know, bits of limbs and stuff lying all over the place. They, you know, they've got to have a little bit of artistic license, or otherwise it just wouldn't pass the rating. Because, you know, you can imagine uh, an actual cannonball skipping along with limbs flying all over the place. It's not really going to be pleasant TV, is it? You know, it's, you know, they, they dumb down a lot of the other bits, but it's it's there for show. It's uh, it's TV, isn't it? You're trying to well, imply being, that... Besides being a really heavy job for the prosthetics department, there's organisations now that, um, you know, where where in, <laughs> injured veterans do appear as movie extras um, through dint of, of missing limbs. You know, it's a form of employment for... Um... Well, that's what happened uh, the first time that was really used for effect. Um, it was the beach scene where they come along, um, uh, Saving Private Saving Ryan, Private wasn't Ryan. It? Yeah. Where, where they came storming on the beach and everyone remembers that because it was so <laughs> horrific and they used veterans for it because... Um, you know, as the director put it, I didn't tell them, have to tell them how to act when they got shot and the legs blown off because they'd already been there and done it, unfortunately. And but everyone remembers that. And it was a key thing. So that's why in movies with black powder and everything else, they don't actually want to show that too much, especially the older ones. Um, I'd agree with the artillery rolling that, Sorry, back. Peter, though, doesn't, doesn't that undermine your basic point, though, of saying this can't be shown because it's already been shown in a really successful movie? Um well, that was shown, <laughs> but it's only ever shown in that one. Um, right. And since then, you can't really, uh, a lot of the black powder ones aren't really aiming for that sort of level of realism. Otherwise, you'd never get any of it done, uh, you know, even for the level of trying to get uh, enough um, people on the field to try and actually show them clashing and everything else. You watch something like Vikings and it's got heads and things rolling. So, you know, I mean, in TV these days, um, body bits falling off is is more prevalent than it used to be. Uh, but which black powder thing are you talking about that's a recent one? 
How many recent black war, powder war, things war, have war, you war, seen peace. with them blowing up? The BBC War and Peace one, for example. That's uh, BBC. They can't have limbs flying all over on the BBC. They'd go crazy on them. It's all for syndication, though, isn't it? They they, they do sell it over over um, overseas and things like that. So, they but do, that's different. Though, if there's no, black, are you saying there's not enough black powder films been made recently? Um, or... Yeah, there needs more of them. I certainly agree that we can have some limbs flying all over the place. But until then, it's only recently they started doing the uh, proper explosions and that. Um, you know, what, what's there been a decent recently, black powder so, one so... since Private Ryan? Private Ryan was a long time ago. I remember thinking of trying to go to that when um, when I lived in all right. Oswald so Hill, so tell like me three decent black, black powder films that have been done since then. Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. How about that? Pirates of the Caribbean, one, two, three, and four. Yes, That's a Pirates comedy. Mastering command. And you had zombies wandering around. And they had limbs being blown off. Exactly, exactly. I think oh, you're digging yourself a hole here, Peter. But they, but they didn't have exploding cannonballs on it. What, in, um, in Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they did. No, they had um, wood chips flying all over the place. Oh, I, th- I think we might have to have um, a time out and all go watch Pirates of the Caribbean, which might be a, a fate worse than um, worse than death here then, um, for for that one. But Andy, does this really um, of a black powder movie? Is this really enough of of a significant problem that you know in the sweep of history and Doctor Zivago and riding across the the Russian plain and um, and glamorous people swooning and and people wearing overly tight trousers and things like that. Is, 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 does, is the artillery such a big issue? that it, I don't think it's it ever kept me awake at night, but it's just, you watch it, you think, oh, this done, it, there's a bit of realism. Have you been watching Waterloo again? Yeah, not for a long time, no. What about Napoleon? And Sorry, not even Napoleon. What about, there's always an American Civil War film. There must be something. Waterloo's on Sony all the time. It's on a constant rebound. It's really good. What about the uh, American Civil War ones? Because um, the only ones I can remember exploding in the American Civil War ones were in glory. When they were the shells that do explode. Yeah, well, then, but, but then you did have some some exploding shells. That's fair enough. Um, obviously, but there's still a lot of it was still cannonballs. So, Andy, um, you know, does this does this spoil your enjoyment of these films? Oh, realism, you know, it's gone out the window. <laughs> you know, you think, what's the point in having all these historical experts and technical experts and stuff if they're going to show it like that? Because it was nothing like that. I get really annoyed by all the bloody artillery in the Ridley Scott movies, in Gladiator at the start with all the Romans. Everybody's got a bloody catapult. Firing <laughs> Naptha in the things into the forest. And then in, in, in Kingdom, whatever that is. in Kingdom uh, of Heaven. They're all got a fucking blister or a <laughs> mangonol, and they're all having a go at each other, and they're all firing things which explode out of pottery. Now that really, Dave, Dave. really though, the only reason why you're pissed off is you try on the ADLG pitch, and you always lose with the artillery. That's the only reason why you're pissed off about that. But then I thought, well, actually, do you know what? Let's have a think about this. In Gladiator. I looked at it, and each uh, Roman manipul cohort had, I think, two scorpions or whatever. But uh, but it is not all that exploding in the forest stuff. You know, well, that battle was really silly, wasn't it? They start off in trench, and then, right, let's all jump out of our trenches and charge them. And we'll get the cavalry charging through a wood as well. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Right, so everyone, know stop complaining. We all stop know complaining. Stop, stop complaining. Because the thing is, Andy, I agree with you. Everything you say is correct, okay? You're absolutely true about cannonballs, about recoil, about naphtha and fire arrows. Filmmakers do not care about you. Okay, you are not the target audience. The reason why you got naphtha exploding is because it looks cool. The reason why you got cannons lined up hub to hub is because if they were spread out, it would just ruin the shot. Okay, and you've always got war gamers going, Oh, I think you'll find director doesn't care, the audience <laughs> doesn't care, only you care, and you're not important enough for anybody to care about. So, Story I agree with life. that, but I think you know what my uh, answer to the question is going to be here. Oh, thank you. Nice but to have one. This home. isn't the case with uh, Adam. Warfare, you've really so, got to it? get off the fence on this. <laughs> but I think, in defence of Andy, this isn't the case with Second World War films. We've talked about Private Ryan and legs and bodies, all the rest of it. You know, even even Fury um, with the with the Sherman against the the Tiger. Like, okay, the whizzing and jousting around the field was a little bit, um, you know, possibly difficult and challenging. <laughs> but but surely, you know, the great sweep of the story is is about in the napoleonic era or the american civil war or rest of it is not about the um the artillery and the cannon and the dramatic spectacle of cannonballs bouncing along the ground and ripping people limb from limb in a historical fashion would still be pretty spectacular and would still get you that rating because it, it works for the shock value in, in, in private ryan and it would yeah. be brilliant but what, what you've got to realize as far as 98% of the population concerned, if you shoot a cannon, the thing explodes. And it would look unrealistic if it bounced and went, it, cannibals don't bounce, mate. They don't go through people's legs. They, they explode. Everybody knows that. And all right, it's not real. But again, same as last week, there are some things more real than mundane reality. For filmmakers, cannonballs exploding. And for the audience, cannonballs exploding are one of those things. No, I still think there's a, there's a more entertaining way of doing it than still having it bounce along the thing and, and well, arms and that's legs why, and stuff Well, that's why it's sharp. They ended up using the rockets because they go bang. A lot more, a lot more fun. Yeah. And they had the hand grenades. They go bang. They so what's, what's sharp more historically accurate in, um, at all? The problem with sharp is they only had 13 extras in the entire series. <laughs> uh, and they kept swapping hats yeah, and uniforms. <laughs> They get shot, then 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 they go. You'd pan across, and it was themselves shooting themselves. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like how do, how the hell how the hell did the South Essex Regiment have bagpipers and kills, and there were only ten of them. The main problem with Sharp is how many times did Sean Bean die? Not, Not a bloke at all. What's going on with that? Yeah. Well, there are films in which he dies, I think. Um, that, that really long Most one that was in three parts. Did he die? Lord of the Rings, one? yeah, he died in Lord of the Rings, yes, yeah, exactly. Maybe um, they're James doing Bond the artillery. He died in Bond, he, yeah, well, TV series, he died in Game of Thrones. Everybody died in Game of Thrones, though, didn't they? Yeah, um, so that's not really a fair, uh, that's not really a fair thing. So, look, I think we're um, we're, we're kind of um, we're, we're slightly off topic now, but um, there's nothing wrong with that in, in its own sort of way. But I think it's probably a good time to do it. So, so Andy, your your contention is that um, the thing that spoils every historical movie for you is the incorrect depiction of artillery, and whether that's um, mangonels with fire naphtha bombs 
shooting at the Romans in Gladiator, whether it's something in the BBC's War and Peace, whether it's something in the American Civil War thing starring two Americans we've not heard of um, returning after the war to, to do something and struggle with each other's identities, whatever that one's called, um, of which there's about six, I believe. All of them are ruined by poor depictions of artillery. Fair enough, yep, I would say that. That's the one. So look, I think this is the time to, to go around and say, you know, is Andy correct? Is this a justifiable position or the alternative? So I'll, I'll start. Simon, what do you think? Andy, I'm sorry, you're being an ass. <laughs> Dave, what about you? Um, if it's the Romans, it's an ass. If it's everybody else, I don't care, it's us. Okay, Tamsin, what about you? I'm going to get do do an Adam answer from last week. Andy, you're correct, but you're being an ass. But you're being an ass. Adam, what are you going to say? Ass. Ass. Peter. Ass. And myself, I think I will round it out with a near full set of Andy. I think you're being an ass. Even brush soap of destiny hits the stiff bristles of time. That means we've run out of time on this week's episode of I'm Sorry, I Think You're an Ass. We'll be back next week with more I'm Sorry, I Think You're an Ass. So after a um another experimental version of I'm Sorry, I Think You're an Ass, I think it's fair to say, we will move swiftly um on and consign that to the the radio dustbin of um, we'll have another go next week and um and go around the thing saying who has been playing um any games this week so so andy you're always a pretty safe bet on this one um is there a kind of three word summary to to your weekly dave ray um you know battery yes. beating game um vikings beat uh, vikings beat alfred uh he had the uh we were doing battle of eddington he had the anglo-saxons who were mainly heavy spear i had vikings most of whom were either uh huskarls heavily armored elite guys or impetuous medium swords all good and we kind of you know mulched his battle line and he thought we'll solve this for a lark well done you can have it um and this week we're doing hastings so the the um so, sorry, let's, let's just quickly rewind this so you're playing a game with two armies who know how each other one is put together mm. and your army is vikings and his army is not vikings yes. and he chose loads of spearmen well you didn't have much choice all oh, right. Okay. So, did you did you draw lots for that, or did um, yes? We, we take it in turns to choose. We take it in turns to choose the army, and it was my turn to army. choose. Yeah, that must have been a tough one. He obviously whoever set up the um the sequence by which you were going to take turns had obviously not not managed to look or either either had managed to look ahead or not managed to look ahead to that one and, and work out what was going to don't was you have very to obviously going to come. Don't you have to select an army on the correct date though? Yes. So you had Huskars. Yeah, Alfred, the Vikings. Yeah, that's they didn't know. Just Huskars was after the rise of the kings in the in Denmark and Norway. They wouldn't have had. Did never mind. Well, I I didn't know that. There's nothing in the army list which says that they're, they're yeah. date limited. Fair enough. Well, yeah, no. This week we're doing Hastings, and he's chosen to be the Normans. Well, I suppose historically that works, isn't it? Although I did discover this week that um, in the Bayer Tapestry, there are some camels in um, in the panel, you know, that little panel above and below, which kind of suggests that, um, well, I, I, suppose, I was going to say, it kind of suggests that there were some camels with William the Conqueror, 
but actually it kind of suggests that we should all suddenly run away and buy some camels for our Norman um, army baggage because that would be then cool and people would go why have you got camels and we go oh didn't you know there's camels in the um the ba- in the, the bay of tapestry and i'm i'm well, being we a ball gamer. well there Ooh, were so. normans recalled from sicily and the far and uh, the middle east so i mean william's army was a sort of threadbare of all the mercenaries from all over the mediterranean that he recalled and put back into his army so i think that's entirely possible you think oh, they I, came I thought the Normans only got stuck into um, Italy and yeah, Sicily and stuff later on. Bio tapestry. I've never. I've, been, I've, I've looked through the whole of bio tapestry. I've never seen any camels in it. Someone's pulling your leg. Well, no, I'm, not sure. the photo. I'm not sure. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. seen the photo. I think yeah. it is there. It's maybe it's a Googleable thing. Camels in the bio tapestry. Okay. So did you do you do any other games, Andy? Did you? you uh, yeah, or? I played Simon. Simon will tell you about that one. Okay, well, let's let's move on and ask Simon then. Okay, so um, Andy and I had a, a game of Renaissance. We tried to use a similar army that Saunders and I had a game of. So we had the um, the Spanish and the Dutch for another for another scrap, another scrap. Sorry, to see um, how it would go. We did realise we may have had slightly illegal armies since um, certain prerequisites weren't uh, purchased. Oh, that would be unusual to you, Simon. Well, yeah. In fairness to me, I was using using Dave's army, which was the illegal army, but let's not get into that. Um, yeah. So, so this time, if you did oh, that, that would be normal. Than, yeah. yeah. But I um, tended to him to check because it's not my. I mean, it's not my idea. Yeah. You yeah, did yeah, an right. like the rest of us. It said minimum of one. You didn't have it. Ergo. <laughs> Okay. It, was, um, it was quite good. We got the big tercio blocks into Pike and Shot. Um, Pike and Shot then started charging things sideways, left, right, and centre. And it all got quite icky for a while. So it was, um, it was quite a good game. Yeah, but but trying try to stop trying to stop those late tercios with a Pike and Shot arm with um, Arquebus is a bit like trying to stop a Matilda tank with a spanner. That's yeah, quite often how Matilda Sound stopped. Yeah. They defeated <laughs> exactly. themselves. Yeah, they, <laughs> they never made it to the battlefield. They weren't super reliable. Okay, all right. So that's kind of coming along then. Um, yeah. E- even if the um, even if the army lists need um, need not necessarily more work, but probably more reading by the um, by the sounds of it. Yeah, there's a lot of um, QAing. I have to go back through all the AD army lists that I've adapted from DVR and Fogar. Hmm. Yeah. Everything, everything is based on D, uh, the GBX series. So hmm. a whole bunch of mistakes I've got to go fix. But we've got the yeah. right feel, you know. Um, the Spanish come in with their big tercios going, look at me, I've got lots of money and all that. Um, the Danes go, looked and went, hmm, this isn't going to go too well. Um, hold, hold. Oh, we've got into the flanks. So it was a big, scary thing coming around, but the pike and shot could start moving around and when that could actually cause a, um, a gap in things, Life got interesting, so. Um, yeah, but you charge th- you, but you charge a, 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 a tercio in the flank, and it doesn't care. It still fights as normal. Yeah, but yeah, um, I think a couple of times when you charged it, um, I didn't drop, but you still got all your factors. So it's like you know, charge in the flank, uh, yeah, charge in the flank, and a couple other things. Still four zero, better than kicking the head. Hmm. Still felt like okay. hard work though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> starts to work starts to work so um anybody else on the the gaming front um adam or tamsin have you um 
managed to do any solo games or against the kids nothing there peter what what about your um your in-house opponents have they been have they been available for gaming this week or is it uh, computer they gaming have and... but we did some uh, computer gaming some more um europa Unimalis 4 so um having a, a good battle of that with uh, me playing as ottoman and then playing as french and taking over most of europe which was most uh, most amusing okay and um, Dave, I'm, I, I seem to remember you playing a game this week at some no, point um, for a brief period of time. Yeah. yeah. Do yeah, you actually remember it? Did it last long enough? Yeah, yeah. We used a couple of the Hundred Years War Army lists from, um, well, I think I used one of Richard's lists from the podcast and you used a, a different one entirely, which was your your French um, footnight list, wasn't it? Yeah, well, you, you did the English Hundred Years War and I did the French Hundred Years War. And rather than just have a massive amount of charging, impetuous knights, I thought I'd go for a foot, more of a foot-knight combination. And, um, yeah, the terrain didn't fall very well for me. I think that was the biggest deal. And uh, Oh, that was true. That was very true. And then you used a few of my tricks on me, which I found rather annoying. I must admit, it was looking back, um, which we will do a... Um, a kind of video talk through of it um we'll probably record that sometime this week and, and put it out but um it, it was probably the first time in as long as i can remember that i've actually put down an ambush marker that that had an ambush in it um and, and i managed to sneak a couple of crossbowmen out on the flank of your army that it, I, i'm guessing um because i just normally just dish out ambush markers and don't put them so i guess it's it's a reminder of that genuine psychological aspect to the game um of thinking that not only is it an ambush marker that might contain an ambush there's there's my own personal history of of just not actually doing that that, that plays into whether it's going to work at all um which was kind of an interesting one I, I i thought it was just a dummy i should have uh i did count up the number of bases and thought because mm, you know uh, medieval armies to me quite small i, I mean i didn't sit there with the calculation work out oh gosh there's a uh, 10 points missing or whatever but um i should have been more predisposed to that but i think i handled that but it, it was it was the it's the mounted against the foot knights which uh makes all the difference the foot knights tend to go down to the mounted knights yeah and then um i kind of shared with you that weird new rule well not new rule that weird rule that we've all missed probably for the last six years of atlg um which was um wherever it was i think it's um page 58 the, page 58, the bottom of page 58 final, um, paragraph. final paragraph so so folks um so furious charge cancels armor in the first round yep we all know um absolutely but um furious charge cancels armor you follow that literally and you follow what it says at the bottom of page 58 it says so if you've got furious charge and armor and your opponent doesn't have furious charge and has armor or heavy armor if they beat you their armor doesn't count because you still have furious charge ability you know you're not using it because you've lost the melee but their armor does not apply in the first round of combat that's literally oh. what the rule says so it's a very rare situation, but it means, for example, heavy cavalry charging ar armoured heavy cavalry, which they are armoured, charging armoured heavy infantry 
Um, if the heavy infantry win by one, the heavy cavalry can use armour because the, um, the heavy infantry's armour is cancelled by furious charge and the heavy cavalry count as more armoured. And, and it's literally, it's written there at the bottom of page 58. Right. So everyone's armour is cancelled? No. If you have furious charge, yeah. your opponents cannot use armour in the first round of the combat. Yep. And they cannot claim the armour ability. So that's normally, armor. yeah, but, but normally that's like, I win with furious charge. Your armour doesn't apply to turn that into a draw. That's mm -hmm. the normal way we play it. But if if my heavy cavalry charge in and you, the heavy armoured spearman, win by one, mm -hmm. I go, ta-da, I have more armour than you. And right. you go, no, you don't, because we both got armour. And I go, no, I still have the furious charge ability and your armour is cancelled in the first round. So in the first round, I have more armour than you. Ah, so no. the question is... Has this been confirmed with El Creator? Yes, it's, it's, you know, if you read the last paragraph on page 58, it's absolutely clear. Oh, there's a lot of shouting going on here. But, but literally, read the, read the last two paragraphs, page 58. It's all there. It's absolutely clear. It doesn't mean everyone's armor is cancelled, so nobody gets more armor. The armor and heavy armor abilities do not apply during the No, first the one who doesn't have furious charge. If the opponent has the furious charge ability. Even more so that, not to bother with your legionaries being armoured. That means the armoured cavalry can actually have a pop at armoured spearmen or even foot knights because they're a little bit better in the first round than, than we thought. So you're standing there with your pikes from earlier on in the podcast. I charge you, uh, all levelled up, going nice and furious going in. You win, um, but you don't count as having armour. So, you know, if it was one difference... I've no, 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 that doesn't matter because pikemen don't get armor and you don't get um, and they don't get furious charge but but it's troops with furious charge their opponents cannot use armor or claim to have don't have armor in the first round simple as that well, that'll make a difference that'll make a difference at hastings and i've got armored um uh, spearmen because it means if the knights clatter into me and i win yeah there absolutely we don't care Absolutely, his knights are slightly better in the first round against your armoured spearmen. Mm. Not in subsequent rounds, but in the first round, they're slightly better than we thought. And it's it's written there clear as day on page 58. I think Quite it's been put in there to help the heavy infantry impetuous against the Romans with armour. But Quite possibly. I'd rather have not known this till next week. Well, well, maybe you know this won't come out until Monday, Andy. So we could um, pretend that you didn't. No, hear it, I would but, feel um, I'd I'd feel bad cheating. It's it's just something I don't like doing. Yeah, no, that could be it. Um, but then you know, I suspect you'll have a hard job persuading your opponent that it's true. But it's it's written there plain as day on page fifty eight. But um, so yeah, no, it's, it was an interesting game though. Other than other than discovering the rule, it was actually using one of one of Richard's lists, which worked quite effectively. And um, and I think yeah, Dave's um army just had too many foot knights. And um, and there was a bit of a bow motorway down the middle of the table, some rough terrain that um, that all my infantry were able to take advantage of, and and his struggled. So it did work surprisingly well as a as kind of getting your head around quite a small longbow heavy, um, you know, English hundred years war army against against the foot knights, and just being able to go into them and and roll them up. So so yeah, we'll we'll get that one out on a um, 
on a video playthrough um, towards the, the well, possibly even by the time that um, this comes out or, or shortly after next week. So that's it. So brilliant. That's the um, that's the combat that's section done. Well, look, we've um, we've moved on from that, which must mean we're at that stage of the evening in which it's time to return to um, to the kitchen of skeleton bones, and and it's Andy and your quiz. Andy, take it away. Right. Well, last week, the questions were about storming Normans because of the weather. And the first question was, which Norman leader's soothsayer was lost at sea during a storm, causing his master to say that if the soothsayer could not foresee the storm, he was obviously no great loss. Anyone apart from Tamsin know the answer? William. Yeah, um, William the Conqueror. Second one, which iconic name from their history did the Japanese give to the storm which scattered Kubli Khan's, Kubli Khan's invasion fleet? Oh, and he Divine Wind. Yeah, oh, that's it. Uh, all over that was my Japanese stuff, yeah. All right. And the third one, in the year 255 BCE, a summer storm struck a Roman fleet and over 600 ships, including more than 300 warships, were sunk with huge loss of life. What distinctive feature of the warships contributed Boarding to so many... Ladder. It's the boarding the spike. Yeah, the Corvus. That's right. They, 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 yeah. It was Corvus. After that, they removed them. It looked like a crow because it was basically smacked down and like, it was like it had a big, big spike. Yeah, it was a, it was a plank spike. with a big spike on it, and they um, it was held vertically uh, on the fore part of the ship. And then when they were boarding an enemy ship, you'd release the ropes, and it would spike onto the deck and hold it there but um it did make the ship Look, a bit I, unstable in a heavy sea and that uh, proved a bit fatal in this storm well i think that that allows us to put this week's or last week's questions on the spike and um and hit the music again Andy, um, you've um, you've given us the bird last time with with the last of those answers. What um, what topic have you got for us this week to to hang all your questions together in um, in a rudimentary sort of way? The theme this week is it's an arse. Ooh. So I the see first where you're question, going with that. The first question is: In which war was French commander Baron Dieskau, D I E S K A U, captured after being shot in the nether regions? Is that, is that part of um, his body or, or part of the Low Countries? No, no, no. That we. Well, as far as he was concerned, it was the Low Countries, but yes. It was it probably was part of the Low Countries, yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay. Right, okay. Number two. In the movie Battle of Britain, as he sees a massive force of Luftwaffe planes fly overhead, which German commander said, if we lose now, we deserve to have our arses kicked out? Well, that's a well-known German saying, isn't it? Really, the um, I think your your whinge about artillery does goes nothing about um, script writing, Americanized script writing there. But yeah, okay, okay. Far away. Number three, number three. 
in what movie does an American soldier say that the only place to hit a tiger tank is in the ass? Somebody's buzzing in the corner, but Dave, you know, with your buzzer, you'll have to hold that buzzer until next week when we get the answers to Andy's quiz. So look, with the quiz um, receding into the, the the buttock laden background, um, I imagine we're um, we're now into kind of the final stretch here of of this week's lockdown podcast. Um, in fact, we've even got easing of lockdown. Maybe um, may start announced by next week, which will be quite remarkable. Um, or whether it'll actually stick will be true. That's an entirely different question. But look, let's do a quick round to say what's you know. What else has happened? What's been bugging you this week? Any other business and, and any shopping and, and anything planned for, for this week? So, Mr. Saunders, what's on um, what's on your agenda and what's in your um, you know, well, winch list? I'll points on what we've been discussing. Okay. The, uh, the thing about the Normans uh, having camels, I'm going to look that up because I find that truly peculiar that no one has looked at all 40 foot of the Bayer tapestry and noticed there were camels in it before. I found that really spooky and weird. But they're right next to the spaceship. So like the Normans actually did round up all their knights from all over the Mediterranean. And my surname, Saunders, is a shortened form of Alexander, Zander Saunders. And it's probably from one of the Norman knights from Constantinople coming or from Sicily coming back to take part in 1066. And, I, and, I always... and on the subject of the Corvus and the and the fleet, the, uh, the apparently the Carthaginians put their ships together in kit form, numbers, and when the uh, Romans captured their first Carthaginian trireme, they were able to take it apart in kit form, reproduce it, and rebuild build their own fleet off the back of the Carthaginian. Airfix style kit form. Uh, but did they have the Allen key? That's the question. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that's that army back in the day. Okay. All right. Well, that's um, that's an eclectic range of, of things. Um, is there anything you've got kind of planned for this week other than um, just carrying on with the uh, uh, the, the, um, the talk over of a terrible defeat for the French again? Yes, that is true. That's that's um that's something I am looking forward to already because um I it's a while since I actually won a game online, so I think I'll be be having another go at that. So let's let's carry on. Um, in a while, yes, indeed. So Tamsin, let's um let's carry on around the screen to you. So you will do you think you'll get on from? Are you buying a new house this week? Are you doing prepping or um anything like that? What's going on? Painting and prepping. Uh, one bit but before the I before we started recording, we did discuss I some I some books that have recently That's read that inspiring. Uh, sort of D Day New Guinea, which is about the lay the lay campaign lay in New Guinea. Uh, a few weeks back, I finished reading this. Infinite also, Sorrow, the, the Japanese and the Kadoda track. Infinite Sorrow which is sort of the Japanese experience, particularly of the Kokoda Trail and the fighting at Igonabuna Sanananda. I'm glad I'm not having to spell that when I look into Amazon, but um, Kokoda Trail sounds a bit easier, yep. 
Monday, no okay. lunch. Tuesday, no lunch. Wednesday, yes. no lunch. Okay. So it's been a bit of reading and a, um, from the history and a bit of prepping. So so running along the middle then. Um, Peter, um, your, your glued together hair helmet, um, other than getting towards your... Um, getting ready to start painting the hazards what's what's on your week or anything else been kind of in your wheelhouse this week uh well i've just uh, as we were talking booked myself another day off so i'm going to have uh, a long weekend so hopefully i can actually get some painting done and maybe even a couple of games uh with uh, cost center number two um which i'm, I'm sure he'll soundly thrash me because they're off on holiday this week for half term um so i might actually get a bit of gaming done Plus, he's got a couple of games that which keep getting a, a aiming to get around to some like the smaller skirmish games. So I might try out a couple of things just for a laugh because uh, it's not like we're going anywhere. So might as well uh, play a few different things and uh, uh, get the old spray can out and do some uh, basic colouring of stuff. But um, yeah, I just fancy um, just relaxing back, glass of wine, and do a bit of painting. Any shopping that you think um, you're admitting to yourself that's going to happen? Um. No, because the, there's a couple of things I do want to get, but um, um, we were due to do a trip to the US and that's not on the cards and I was going to pick some Curacao stuff up. Um, so that's on hold for the moment. Um, the rest of the stuff, I'm actually waiting for the, um, you know, trying to see what some of the ADLG4 lists are to see what's different on there. Because I've got the Spanish, because I, I know the Spanish lots break out into different armies, Navarre and such like. That's the only one I know so far. But the other thing I was looking to get and sort out is Ancients, but I need to get my head around it. Ancients, okay. Yeah, no, I guess so. There's there's probably more to do. Um, Adam, what, what about you on your um on your phone? Is it do you think the Dacians are done this week? Is there anything else? Um Oh no, Dacians will probably still take a, another few weeks, to be honest. But um just going back to the Bio Tapestry, two things on that. One is um, as well as camels. Um, there's one piece of it where a gentleman has got his winkle out, which um, which accorded me um, some hilarity for two reasons. Firstly, when I, when I went to see the biotrapacy with my children, and they were quite young, they thought that was hilarious. But even funnier was the um, old American couple just ahead of us who were outraged. They were like, that shouldn't be allowed. They, they, were, they were genuinely <laughs> outraged. That's a, that's what makes thing. me laugh is someone actually had to stitch it. Yeah, an embroidered. They're outraged by an embroidered winkle. Yeah, bigger, bigger, bigger. Which, um, yeah, they, they were outraged. And it's like, hey, it's sort of like, mate, how old is it? And secondly, you're in France. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, don't get outraged. Get a winkle in France, mate. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. You haven't been to Paris yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, exactly. Yeah, and the second thing about... apparently there are ninety-three penises in the Barrier Tapestry. Oh, I only noticed one, but maybe that was... Is that something big... you just knew, Dave, or is that something you just Googled no, and now that your search no. history is going to be fucked? The Boyer Tapestry, the secrets of its 93 penises. Yeah, is Dave, this a book you're, right. is this a now, book now you're go going to recommend? Delete cookies. Penises. delete cookies. Delete cookies. Delete browsing history immediately. Okay. Right, well, let's, oh, let's, I can it, imagine what's going to pop up in the search history after doing that one. Oh my God! Yeah, camels <laughs> and um, and ninety three penises. We'd like um, to look at it to you. Yes, yeah. Don't don't try and buy anything on Amazon anytime soon. Um, that could be quite problematic. This means war.
Mr. Finkel, um, where, where do we go from? Please don't feel even obliged to bridge with any of the previous comments. Just just tell us what you're up to for the next week or so. What what else has been happening? Well, um, there's more, more painting skeletons, but um, I've actually emailed Warfare Association of Reading about um, warfare because apparently it's supposed to be happening if you believe what's on Facebook and the internet. Um, and I'm not sure whether I've got a ticket from last year. So I've emailed them to say, do I have a ticket for last year or have I just bought a ticket for the 25 mil competition in vain? And if so, can I have a refund? So what you'll get, Andy, is an, just an answer that just says yes. Well, that clears it up then. <laughs> yeah. And then you choose what that means. <laughs> yeah, I, I suspect that that one's still got some time to play until they actually sort out the fact that they forgot that other tickets have been rolled over before they put this year's tickets on sale. Or so, did um, they? Well, well maybe, maybe that's knows. why there were so few tickets when people, when we suddenly found out it was it was happening. Possibly, but I'm pretty sure it was sold out last time. Um, I, look, I, I think we're not going to be able to divine the um, the level of complexity of what's gone wrong there because there's just too many things. But but maybe it'll be sorted out in a couple of months because ultimately we're, just, we're still not going anywhere before the summer, are we? Really on on that front? No, um, I, I can't I can't see campaign happening. Oh no, that's that's impossible absolutely impossible i think it really is the back end of the summer before we're you know even if we're lucky um september to start putting stuff um yeah stuff on table in in more than just social situations we might get down the pub maybe if we're lucky to meet strangers but speaking of strangers um simon what's what's your week any more um clandestine no we don't have any clandestine meetings by car windows book this week do we not this week we haven't done any um um value add ordering so that'll be quite good you know, limit to how many times you can do that before that sign goes sus. Um, I'm going to be busy finishing off the Ottoman Turks. So I've got the, the last of the medium cavalry to um, paint up. And then I might have a break and finish. I found some more of my random large rats with big fangs for my uh, rampant dragon army. So I'm going to do a couple of the, the big strange vehicles and all that just for something completely silly. Um, speaking of fancy I've... armies, have you seen Pendraken do armoured bears? I'm not quite sure what army they'd be in, but I just quite like the idea. Wouldn't like they be in the armoured bear army? Yeah. All of them. Yeah. If you've got armoured bears, they go in every army. Yeah, just that's there. The answer, you know, they're, 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 they're the new medium knights. They're, prob the they're probably the Bayer world, Tapestry. Armoured bears. Yeah, they're in the Bayer Tapestry. That's absolutely it. You look yeah, in that side exactly. panel, they're in there as yeah, well. Yeah, they ate Definitely. the camels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that armoured bear in the... Uh, and the Winkles, Dave. The and the Win Winkles. In the, in the, the doc, I, Philip Pullman, Doc. Philip Pullman's got an armoured bear in it. He yeah. wears armour made out of uh, meteorites. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. You can give him checked, you can give him checked trousers like Rupert. That would be quite cool, wouldn't it? If I can get Pictish bears. Not not really the effect that you're looking for. Rupert the bear charging in for attack just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> you know, you can you'd see someone turns up with a demonic fantasy army, and you've got Rupert the bear up against them. It doesn't really cut it. No. Well, Rupert the bear armed with Winnie the Pooh. I can just see it now. But you've also got Paddington Bear who walks up with his little black his little suitcase and opens up, and Cthulhu comes out. So you know. The suitcase of chaos. <laughs> suitcase of Cthulhu. Um, with with uh, so. Winnie the Pooh with his honeypots attack. Yeah. He but, can uh, do the artillery. Yeah, there you go. Exploding yeah, honeypots, Andy. And they would count as exploding. 
You can have um, special units of bear sarkas as well. Dave, congratulations. The first one, other than Andy, for the last three months to earn um, a bit of a bit of tumbleweed there. Well done. Well done. Good for you. So, Simon, is that um, is that your your wrap-up then? Are you anything else on the list? On, on books, so just a bit of light reading to do with the Ottoman Turks. So I've got a book that should be arriving next day or so. So a bit of light reading. The Crescent in the West, the invasion of Europe by the Ottoman Turkish Empire. 1250 to 1699. So that's going to keep me busy in um, the next little while working out different things to um, learn about for the Ottomans, the Poles, the um, uh, Austrian armies, or all the periods that I like. Yeah, re reading about the Ottomans is quite something. I think it makes that um, that John Julian Norris, uh, Morris, not Norris, John Julian, whatever Norwich. it is. Um, what's the one? John Julian Norwich. Norwich, Norwich that's the word, Norwich. John Julian Norwich book on um, on the whole history of Byzantium in 400 pages looked mm. like it's a bit slow paced when you start getting into what the, the Ottoman sultans were up to and what was going on over there. So that's a weird one. Um, okay, well, I think for, for myself, it's it's really going to be a discussion. Do I do 10 mil um, Napoleonic Guard? I've not done any of those for a while. Do I dive in and try and finish off all these German... Um, tanks and the the two three tone camo scheme which is quicker than i know it is um when i get doing it and then i could box all my 10 mil stuff and and put them away as a kind of finished new set um or do i um, look at some of the other things that i've undercoated i think there's a few days of rain coming up so my white undercoating is probably not um not going to get done until next weekend but my black undercoating's done and it's always kind of easy to get some swiss and other people once you've done black undercoating to to rush through some of them if they've got some dry brushed armor so i might do that but i think um but the big thing that i've really got to get my head around is the fact that i've i'm pretty convinced that i've just accidentally bought some slippers which is kind of a real psychologically difficult point for me to admit and i'm, I'm feeling quite good about you know coming out with this but so i spent using all those sort of internet ebay amazon skills that we've got about three weeks trying to buy something that that basically was slippers but wasn't called slippers online because buying slippers just seems like a a huge admission of of age and guilt and and just giving up on life really yeah you're all nodding that's it and i i did manage to find some that that didn't say the word slippers and i could sort of pretend that they were something else and on amazon and, and they arrived just earlier on this afternoon and um and and the, you know you always see when you buy stuff on amazon that's got thousands of positive reviews that what you get is not quite what it is because something's been on amazon for eight years and they've just basically changed the product entirely so the thing that i bought that was supposed to look a little bit kind of like a sort of pair of canvas plimsolls from from someone quite cool um has kind of got tartan checked lining and i'm kind of going that's slippers really isn't it that's just got slippers all over it and and i'm feeling good about it because because they're warm they're comfy i don't have to to tie the shoelaces and i am going to be in the house for the next three months as well so just i'm, I'm out there's there, a much, there's a much easier way to buy to buy slippers what you, you say to your wife i quite like these and you find something outrageous and she says no i'll find you a pair and she'll then do all the legwork and buy you something proper 
Oh, I, I wasn't prepared to do that because I, you know, I, my wife is still downstairs laughing hilariously about the fact I've accidentally bought some slippers. And I've, I've just got to spend the, next the fact weeks. that you were searching is already the downhill bit. Then. I was you know? searching to not buy slippers, though. That was the issue. Yeah. yeah. It's when you buy cardigans, yeah. that's yeah. when you've got to start worrying. So I'm guessing, like Dave, what's coming up on your Amazon searches in future? Yet more slippers and maybe pipes. No, 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 no. Maybe yeah, pipes, yeah. Maybe a dressing gown. Smoking jacket and that sort of hat which comes down over. A beret. We're back to last week. It's a beret. Yes, I need a, I need a red beret. That's the same. Very, very important. What you've just said has given us an insight into your, how your mind works. Don't ever do that again, please. No, yeah. okay. Right. It, it was disturbed. Yeah, that's probably the point at which we should end this week's podcast then, isn't it? Definitely. So, look, thank you all again for um, for chipping in from um, from your various COVID cells in whichever £1,700 a week hotel you're in. And um, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. A general observation. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. And uh, Andy, sorry, can I interrupt you there? The whole point is you're supposed to pretend that this is the worst thing in your entire life, and you're supposed <laughs> to argue irrationally in favour of this. So if you're saying I'm not that fussed about this, he's going I'm to sort of break I, this feature. I, I think I kind of so win on that. One. <laughs> kind of, can you could have ham it up a bit, you know, mate? <laughs> bring Ruth in. I'm sure she could have a strong opinion about this. Oh, yeah, we've just got strong opinions about various things. But exactly. so, <laughs> so so cannibals isn't one of them, yeah. So let's yeah. restart, and you argue irrationally in favour of your position. This is right, the whole okay. point of, of this I'll comedy imagine feature. An, I imagine it's an argument with my wife that I can use irrationally. Yeah, right. Exactly. a bit uh, i mean you, you know you a bit at, for christ's sake enormous <laughs> yes utterly oh my god well you look at it well you look, you, you look at it and you think Piece of blue tack, the... shove it in, and pull it out, and you'll pull out a lot of sort of belly lint.